and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the one who sets me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe and out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me hallelujah hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost his grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, you are my Word. 
to put your hope in God alone. Take courage in His power to save. Completely and forever one. By Christ emerging from the grave. And I will wait for you. love has made a way and God himself has paid the price that all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice I will wait for Satisfied in him. 
And I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light. But I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. And to wonders here that I confess my worth and my unworthiness, my value fixed in ransom paid the cross. Oh, I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. And I will trust in Him for other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. Rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. And I will trust in Him no other. My soul is satisfied in Him change the things which check check hey one two check check hey one two check check hey one two Well, good morning and welcome to Quarantine Sunday. Um, hope you all are healthy. Hope you all are at home. Uh, hope you are all together. Um, as a pastor, this is a very different scenario than I've dealt with, but um, I think that God has a plan for all of this. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about how to go about doing Sunday mornings, and, and this seemed to be... Um, the, the best way that we could, that we could do things. And, and so I, I want to start out by encouraging you um, and somewhat challenging you. Um, while we cannot gather as a church as we would regularly, this does not mean that church is impossible. Where the, the Scripture says that where two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. And, and as you are gathering together as families, that Scripture is... That scripture and that promise is still true. Um, where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, which we gather in the name of Jesus, not First Baptist Church even, just in the name of Jesus. And so the promise is that even if it's just your family, you're gathering in the name of Jesus, He's there with you. So, again, just an encouragement. Um, while we're all quarantined in, inside of our homes, um, does not mean that we are done being church, that we are um, removed from being able to practice um, what we believe. And, uh, and so anyway, I'm encouraged um, that we're able to do things this way, thankful for technology, being able, to, uh, <clears throat> being able to afford us the opportunity to do this. See, right now it's uh, Thursday at 11.45. I'm recording the sermon at 11.45. You're, you're watching this on Sunday morning. Or, or after, and so, you know, <laughs> I'm sharing this scripture and, uh, and, and giving this message, and there's a lot that can happen between now and then. Today's Thursday, so we got Friday and Saturday, um, and as things have been progressing and changing, um, there's, there's, a, there's an awful lot that can happen between now and then. And, and, I, and I say that 
standing here Thursday at almost noon, looking towards Sunday, knowing that one thing will not change. As we've watched the news and we've seen on social media and, and we've heard from other people, things are changing and, and altering and developing. It seems like maybe every 15 minutes. One of the things I've been encouraged by talking with the, the deacons about is that what we do and practice as Christians doesn't change. The message that we have been living out for years, thousands of years, doesn't change depending on the circumstances. Uh, what we're called to do, we're called to share the gospel, we're called to make disciples, we're called to, to worship together. Those things, they don't change depending on circumstances. You know, our circumstances are considerably light considering um, what a lot of Christians around the world have to deal with. Imagine right now, churches in China actually still gathering together to worship. Where it's been illegal, um, and where they've had the threat of death and, and imprisonment, yet they still worship together. Um, so, just... As a, as a quick aside, sidebar, side note, message, do not change or stop practicing what you believe just because of these circumstances. No matter what happens between right now, Thursday, and then Sunday morning, just know that no matter what happens between now and then, or between uh, Sunday morning when you're watching this and the, the next Sunday when you're watching this, no matter what changes, the message of the gospel, the reality of who Jesus is, what we are to do as Christians and how we are to live our lives, it does not change. Especially if we are mature in our faith. Which leads me into our message for this morning. Well, afternoon for me. A couple weeks ago at church, uh, we looked at Paul writing to the Corinthian church about wisdom. You know, we talked about um, experience and, and wisdom and knowledge and how they're not all the same thing. And, and you don't just have wisdom because of experience and knowledge. You don't just add those two together and come up with wisdom. Because, as the Scripture reveals, wisdom can only come from the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit has all knowledge, has all experience, and not just therefore, but across the board, the Spirit of God has all wisdom because God's Spirit knows what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. So in the midst of this time, know that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, knows all that has happened, all that is happening, and all that will happen um, because God has all knowledge because He is eternal. You know, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth as they uh, dealt with um, different issues as a church. And he was writing to them about the wisdom of God because they needed to be reminded of where all wisdom comes from. See, at the time, and even in our now, the struggle is to look to human sources for wisdom. Um, especially right now, we, we look to uh, medical researchers, we look to um, some news outlets, and, and we see what other people are posting about what's going on with the, the COVID-19 virus and while that is information or just data that's just data there is no wisdom unless it is of God and so Paul is writing to the church at Corinth reminding them of where wisdom comes from because they have been listening to other voices they have been taking in um, information or knowledge or um, data from other sources and, and <clears throat> acting on it rather than paying more attention to the wisdom of God. 
you know, the challenge that Paul faces here in the first Corinthian church is that they were not the spiritual people he had hoped he was addressing. Um, he, you know, he wanted to be able to address them um, as people of the Spirit, people who were discerning the Spirit, the things of the Spirit of God. Um, but they were not. Um, instead, he had to address them as people of the flesh who were not prepared for the wisdom of God because they were not pursuing Christ above all things. Quick challenge to us. Are we pursuing Christ above all things? What are we pursuing the most in life? And we can, we can know, we get some hints right now as things are taken away from us. Um, financially, you know, the, the public trading markets are just dive bombing. Um, just crazy drop-offs on some of the most steadily growing um, publicly traded businesses in the world. Um, athletics are being removed. I mean, people can't watch sports. Um, we can't go places where we normally want to go. And some people can't even go to work. So their livelihood, the thing that, that, that they depend on to pay their bills and, and, uh, and support their, their families, <clears throat> it's just being taken away. And how you respond to those changes can really give, um, put a spotlight on things. If you have, you know, spring, spring athletics, spring sports, um, high school, you know, rec leagues, professional, it's the, there's none. How are you responding to that? Um, is it just a thing that's been taken away? Is it, or is it drawing a deeper emotion out of you than it should? Um, is, your, is your perspective of life changing depending on whether or not you can uh, partake in sports or watch sports? Are you responding as though the most important thing in the world is being taken away from you, or are you responding as though sports are being taken away from you? Same with this here. Um, it's, for me, I'm in a room with nobody. It's just me talking to a camera. Um, and I, at first, was really uncomfortable with not being able to gather as, the, as we normally do. As a pastor, like that's my job, that's what I do, but... Once I settled into the, the spirit knowledge, the spirit of God knowledge and wisdom that this is just a building and that you are the church and I am the church, I was comforted by the wisdom of God um, that we don't have to gather together. See, I'm, I'm looking out at all these empty seats right now, but thinking of these, these people Thinking of people who would, where I know where you would sit and, and you're not there. But I'm okay because I know that biblically what the Scripture says is that the church is not contained by this building, by these, these studs and this drywall and this paint and these lights and this carpet. Like this is not the church. You are the church. It's comforting to me because that is biblical knowledge. That is spirit knowledge. And we're finding out about ourselves, you're finding out about you, and I'm finding out about me, the things that we hold most dear as everything gets, gets uh, pause, gets pushed on everything in our lives. And so we have a lot in common with the church in Corinth. So, at home, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you've got to hit pause and go grab your Bibles, do so right now. Um, we're going to be looking at Scripture. And if I say a Scripture and you want to hit pause and look it up, by all means, do that. We have the freedom to do things a little bit differently right now. 
um, which can be a blessing. So, hit pause, go get your Bible. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-4. through 4. Starting in verse 1. But I, this is Paul writing, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready for it. Verse 3, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? We talked about the division in the church that they were dealing with uh, at the beginning of this sermon series. What was happening is the people in the church were dividing up into cliques or sects or just dividing amongst themselves based on the human leaders. You know, Paul, the, the one who's writing this letter. Um, people started to rally around him and call him their leader and, and that he was, he was the best leader and everyone should follow him. And the same thing happened with Apollos. People rallied around him and some, you know, the Hebrews especially rallied around Peter. They decided amongst themselves who they would follow and divided the church amongst these groups of people following a certain individual. We talked about that happening uh, politically in our day and age. We kind of fall in line with uh, Republicans or we fall in line with Democrats or we fall, you know, some of us say we're moderate and, and, and we start to divide based on those things. And, and the same goes for us as goes for these believers. Do you not follow Jesus? Is he not the only one that gets your dedication? That's what Paul was um, noticing about it, is that there's Jesus, but more importantly to some people were these individual leaders. Paul's concern for the Corinthian church is that he cannot address them how he ought to be able to because of their immaturity in Christ. They lack the maturity to know that Christ is all, everything else is secondary. Christ is most important, everything else is is secondary, and not even close to secondary. In verse 13 and 14 of chapter 3, Paul writes, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Excuse me. This is from the previous chapter, from chapter 2, not from chapter 3. So chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, is where Paul writes this. He says, interpreting spiritual truths, this is in verse 13, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And he highlights, the natural person does not accept things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. If we have hope, if, if in the middle of this crisis we, we turn to our hope in Christ, people can say or look to us and say things like, oh, well, that's cute, but all our money is going away. So what? Who cares about money? When our eternal souls are at stake, people are dying. Who cares about money? What importance does it have over human lives? The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The person who does not discern things in their life through spiritual means, meaning mo and, and primarily and most important through holy spiritual means, they will never grow in spiritual maturity. Instead, they stay infantile in their Christian faith. This is the thing that Paul is dealing with. Look at verse 2. Right? Look back. Chapter 3, verse 2. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready for it. For, 
because, he says, I know this because you're still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, only behaving in a spirit, in a human way? So a couple weeks ago, celebrated my 32nd birthday. Um, we had my parents and all my siblings over, save for a couple of them. Um, my brother lives in Florida, my little sister lives in Cape Girardeau, but the rest of us all were together for my birthday. My ne- little nephew, Oliver, was there as well, and uh, Katrina's parents and, and her sister. My birthday present to myself was uh, a 12-pound brisket that I had kind of nursed and babysat in the smoker all day, <clears throat> which sounds really good right now. So maybe that's what I'll, how I'll quarantine myself is with a smoker and a, and a brisket. And, and you know, it's interesting. Nobody, I mean, except for me jokingly, nobody suggested that Oliver, who's a newborn baby, uh, doesn't even weigh as much as the brisket. Nobody suggested that he try the brisket. N- nobody was saying, oh, come on, give the, give the brisket to Oliver. He's, he's a little baby. And you know, <clears throat> what else no one suggested is that, that w- the rest of us try drinking from Oliver's bottle. Right? So you probably be, you've probably seen this and wondered why this is sitting here. So, nobody suggested that the adults try drinking from a bottle that evening. Does this look wrong? Does it look wrong to see a grown man drinking from a bottle? I mean, it's a good bottle. I'm not going to get burps because of this, the way it's designed, right? This, this looks wrong. I mean, it feels ridiculous standing here in a room with nobody drinking from a baby bottle, right? I mean, how ridiculous is this? I'm, I'm a grown man. What am I doing drinking, from, drinking milk from a, from a baby bottle? You know what's just as wrong as a grown man drinking from a baby bottle? It's Christians who have been Christians for a long time and still need spiritual milk. And there's so much here that, that needs to be unpacked. There's, there's so much that's going on. Like, I, like, it is wrong that there are Christians who need a pastor or another person just to, here you go, a little Christian. Don't, don't, don't drink too much. Or, or, you, or a Christian who needs someone to warm this up to the right temperature or measure out the right amount or say, no, don't put that in there, put this in there instead. Like It is wrong that there are Christians who require basically a nursemaid to get their spiritual sustenance. Christians who need spiritual milk, when they've grown teeth, they ought to be able to eat on their own. You know, the church at Corinth, at the time, they're like a bunch of five-year-olds who are still nursing from their mom. This is what Paul is frustrated with, that when they should be consuming meat, when they should be diving into the Word of God, into the depths of the Word of God, when they, when they ought to know all the books of the Bible, when they, they ought to know what is in Revelation, when they ought to be able to know about intertestamental period, when they ought to know different words that describe different theological concepts, they are still spiritual babies going, Mama, feed me. That's wrong. And we're dealing with this too. You see these people who are Christians just blowing up and losing it over the potential of catching the flu. The, the, the whole world is being brought to its knees because of a different strand of the flu. Spiritually, they're not discerning this. They're discerning it in a human way. They're discerning it without hope. They're discerning all this without joy. 
because they don't have it. Because spiritually, they still need somebody to open a bottle for them and say, come here, little spiritual baby, drink this. You know, and, and the same difficulty happens within us, within the church. Um, there are Christians in our church. People call themselves Christians. Who need me to, to feed them. Like, like they're babies. Here, eat this. And what I mean by that is their only sustenance as a believer is to show up here on Sundays. And um, it's the only time they get challenged as a believer. It's when they show up here or Sunday school and, and have me or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher come, say, come here. There comes a point as a Christian, you know, where you shouldn't utilize your pastor or other Christians as your only source of spiritual nutrition. Like, you know, that's like a, a five-year-old or a ten-year-old expecting to nurse from their mom. You've got to be able to feed yourself. You know, shared verses uh, on Facebook, encouraging quotes or, or even sermons like this, they, they all have their place. But if this is your only or your entire spiritual diet, you are malnourished. Spiritually, you're like a child in Africa who hasn't had a meal but once a week. Um, I've worked with those kids and they, they eat whenever there's food available. And their stomachs are huge while the rest of their body is as thin as a rail because they're malnourished. When you're malnourished, you become bloated. Um, you know, you, you see these kids and you think because they got a big gut that they're healthy and that's, that's not true. Their, their stomachs are bloated from, from being malnourished. And they're, they're unhealthy. They're unable to think correctly. They aren't able to perform tasks because they are physically malnourished. The same goes for the Christian who is spiritually malnourished. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. Again, if you've got to hit pause, go ahead. <clears throat> verse 12 of Hebrews 5. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Alright, this is a challenge to you, believers, that I'm talking to. By this time, you ought to be teachers. Maybe you're new in your faith. This doesn't apply to you. But if you've been a believer for a considerable amount of time, by this time... You ought to be a teacher. Don't say you're not called. You're, you're called to be a teacher in some way. Verse 12 again. For this, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Meaning, or, anyone who needs milk alone is unskilled. They are malnourished. They are bloated. They don't have what it takes to, to feed themselves. Since, at the end of verse 13, since he or she is a child, spiritually. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Verse, I want to read verse 14 again. I want to look at this again. But solid food is for the mature. Solid food, the meat of Scripture, is for people who know what the Word of God says only need reminded. 
It is for people who know why they go to church and are willing to, to establish themselves as a believer without being prodded or poked by their pastor. People who know what their job is in the community as a believer. They know that they're sharing the gospel. That, you know, to be spiritually mature is to feed yourself on the scripture without needing anybody to, to motivate you to do it. And if you are not doing this, it says here, for those who have uh, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, you may not have any skill in discerning. You may not be able to spiritually discern things because you are not even close to being uh, grown and matured in your faith. Constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Right now is a really good time for this scripture, for this message. Because, to some degree, in your faith, you're on your own. There's no showing up to church for accountability. There's no people to say, oh, you weren't at church on Sunday. I mean, I'll be able to see how many people watch this video and I'll be able to kind of guess how many people take serious the, the, the weekly worship um, calling of believers. But right now, there's no um, accountability or pressure, peer pressure or whatever have you to motivate you um, in your faith. Right now, we're going to find out whose faith is real and whose faith is dead. Right now, we're, we're finding out whose faith is regular and whose faith only comes around when they're realizing that they're not in control. See, a true Christian, true believer, a mature believer knows at all times that they're not in control. So, listen, I'm wrapping up here. Watch closely as the world loses hope. Watch closely as everyone loses their mind. Their money is being taken away, their sports are being taken away, their social activities are being taken away. For some, their job is being taken away or their, their purpose for living is being taken away. When this kind of things happen, you start to get a glimpse of what people actually believe in. You're going to find out where people's hope actually lies. If sports is taken away and they lose it, their hope is in sports. If attending church is taken away and they lose it, their hope is in religion. If your money is taken away and you lose it, your hope was in finances and in wealth. If your hobbies are taken away, if your social engagements are taken away and and you lose your mind, that's where your hope was. Spiritually, you were unable to discern that. So now's the time, more than ever, for a message about whether or not you have what it takes to spiritually discern things. Um, hopefully you kind of know the drill. We've, we've addressed this. We're not having an invitation. I'm not giving you a chance to everybody, you know, go to the altar at your house and, and pray. Um, now's the time to unpack the, the message together as families. So, the bulletin link is in the description of this video. So, go down to the, to, the, to the description of this video. There's a link to the digital bulletin. And there's questions, there's discussion questions for you and those who are with you to unpack. If it's just you by yourself, get out a notebook and write out the answers. Um, if you're with your family, Read the question and, and unpack the, the, the Scripture, the text, the message together. Um, 
Dads, it's your time to step up and lead in this. Demonstrate that you are actually the leader of your home, the leader of your family. Um, ask the questions of the kids and being well, be willing to confess your own shortcomings. Moms, help out. Be willing to, to confess your own sin. Kids, adolescents, teenagers, this is serious. This is good. This is important. This is more important than anything you have going on today. Take this time serious. So, I'm going to pray for you, your families, and then you all jump into the discussion questions together. And remember, I love you. I love being your pastor. Um, we're going to get through this thing. And honestly, I do believe that as a church, we will come out stronger in our faith. I believe that as communities, we will come through stronger. Um, I believe as a nation, we will come through stronger because God is bringing us all to our knees so that we can realize who God is. And that's a good thing. Even if some lives are lost and even if some money is lost and even if you lose your fun, God is bringing us spiritually closer to Himself and that is worth any cost. Let me pray for you. God, be with these families as they unpack Scripture and apply Scripture in their lives. Lord, I pray that you will give them true strength and spiritual discernment as they unpack your word, the truth of your word right now. Ask you, God, um, to bring us closer to our, closer in our relationship with you, Jesus. Use a thing that we would never have expected to do things um, that we weren't ready for you to do. That's so like you, God. I'd love to see that happen, Lord. God, do that for us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. I love you. Have fun together.